Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and yes, I'm back after a fantastic job from Hal Stewart last week. But we've got so many topics to go over this week with midweek games, weekend games, and then more midweek games going into Europe. So let's just rattle through the results. I'm going to take a big, big deep breath and try and get through all of these. So on Tuesday night, we see Werder Bremen 3, Hertha Berlin 1. Bayern Munich, yep, held to a draw, surprisingly enough, against Osberg. Then we see in Hanover, struggling as ever, 1, Hoffenheim 3, Freiburg 1, Schalke 0. Wednesday, we went into and seen Dusseldorf pick up a goal, but still lose to Bayer Leverkusen 2-1. Borussia Dortmund, yep, scored 7 against Nuremberg. Impressive stuff, eh? We'll get more to that in a little bit. Then we've seen RB Leipzig 2, Stuttgart 0, Borussia Mönchengladbach 3, Eintracht Frankfurt 1. Then we see Mainz 0, Wolfsburg 0. Probably not be talking about that one too much. So going into the weekend's games. Yes, on Friday. Who would have thought? Hertha Berlin 2, Bayern Munich 0. What a shock there. Hertha on fantastic form at the moment. Going into Saturday, we've seen Schalke 1, Mainz 0. Schalke finally getting some points on the board. A bit more of a positive result for them. Hoffenheim seen Julian Nagelsmann. Yes, his team score, but fail to lose against the team he'll be taking in charge of next season, RB Leipzig. Stuttgart 2, Werner Bremen 1, Wolfsburg 2, Borussia Mönchengladbach 2. Then we had Nuremberg 3, Fortuna Dusseldorf 0. The late kickoff game on Saturday, oh, what a cracker this was. Bayer Leverkusen 2-0 up at half time, and we were saying that maybe Manu's curse had been lifted. No, or Borussia Dortmund came back with four stunning goals in the second half. Yes, 4-2. Lots of goals by Dortmund over the last two games. Sunday scene, Eintracht Frankfurt win 4-1 against Hanover. Hanover looking a bit hapless at the moment. And then an easy victory for Osberg against Freiburg 4-1. That more or less does it. I can breathe again. So, joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how you been? Busy. Um, went to a midweek fix, two midweek fixtures and two games on the weekend. Been traveling around. Uh, I, I crammed an Oktoberfest visit in there somewhere too. Um, so it's been very busy, but not as busy as you, Bryce, because you got married. Congratulations. Haha, <laughs> yes, I did. I got married last weekend. So hence, I wasn't on here. That would have been a tricky one to, uh, to get, um, a request, uh, for and filled out for. And being uh, watched as I say this. Um, but um, yeah, it went really well, Manu. Uh, thank you. And I thought I would squeeze in uh, one final uh, gig and press and podcast before I go up on honeymoon tomorrow Wait, morning. What? I, I We didn't approve that. Um, <laughs> I'm between a rock and a hard place then here, aren't I? <laughs> Let, let's, let's talk about that one as the week goes on. Uh, joining Manu and myself is Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? Very good, Bryce. Thank you. Congratulations to you and your good lady wife. Thank you very much. Um, it all seems to be going well at the moment. Um, and hopefully it'll continue too. Matthew, you're on here with us once again. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what games you've went to in the past week. Hi, Bryce. Congratulations also from me. Uh, yeah, I was at the Leverkusen Dortmund game on the weekend, the only one for me. But uh, yeah, it was a fantastic game and can't wait to talk about that one. 
yeah, absolutely. What a game to go to. Um, guys, I suppose, um, well, let, let's kick off the day. Um, I think, uh, going to Manu and let's talk about, uh, Euro 2024. Um, well, you know, the, the floor is yours, Manu, eh? Big news. It is big news. Um, Germany was awarded the European Championships in 2024. They, had of course the bit they were competing against was Turkey's bit and there was a lot of talk it's not an easy relationship between Turkey and Germany at the moment um, of course also with the background of the whole Özil affair and um, so there was there was a lot of worry here um, whether Germany would get this bit or not but I guess um, given the fact that the stadiums that Germany is going to use for these championships they don't have to be built all the infrastructure everything is ready um, nothing, nothing really has to be added. I guess places, some of the stadiums, uh, um, Matt, you notice, we've chatted about this, like Stuttgart need a little bit of paint and a little bit of upgrading perhaps. But the infrastructure is here. This day, I mean, Germany is probably only one of two or three countries in the world that could host a mega event like that tomorrow if they needed to. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, it's really exciting because I mean, of course, coming off the back of a very disappointing World Cup, this will be something that the German national team can work towards to. And, German football is always at its best when they have a project. And this is a fantastic project. This is a great, great uh, thing to work towards and get uh, the country back on track in terms of football. Yeah, but Manu, I imagine that you would like to more on track uh, before 2024, wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, there's little things that can be improved. Uh, I think when you look at the, the way... Um, the, the, the league, we have chatted so much about the league and the, the lack of competition for Bayern, although I guess today this will be a bit of a different topic, but um, that has to be improved. You've Countries like France or even England have um, come on power in terms of France, have come go past them, and Germany has to go back to being the number one producer of youth talent. So um, there's always things to improve. And yes, Germany needs to be competitive before 2024, but um, they want to have a team that can win the European Championships if they host them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I suppose uh, let's uh, talk about things uh, domestically now, because um, unfortunately that was one of the many, many topics that we've got to cover today. Um, well, to start with Bayern, we'll start with the champions, uh, and we'll talk about that midweek draw to Augsburg. Oh, but before we do, guys, um, uh, Andrew Flint of the... Uh, Football Grad Network. Um, he, he wanted something special today. So could you guys talk about the special food of the ground just for him? I mean, how how good was was that grub at, at Bayern? Um, yeah, uh, it's it's absolutely horrible. So um, I mean, they start with a buffet before the game, a cold buffet, and then they have a warm buffet. It's usually this time of the year. It's usually an Oktoberfest braten, um, so Oktoberfest roast. And then um, halfway through the game and halftime, they have cakes, dessert, and then post-match, they usually have a, a midnight kitchen, they call it, and, and an open bar. So it's it's horrible. It's, it's, it's I don't know how you people can work there every week. Jeez, oh, sounds, sounds terrible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Andrew, we, we've covered that for you. Let's get to the football. Um, Manu, I, I suppose we'll go back to you. Um, mm. This this was a 1-1 a one -one draw. Um I know that you struggle to say good things about Augsburg on, on many occasions, but a goal in the 86th minute, you know, th this is a fantastic result for them. And um, one of two um, stumbling blocks uh, that Bayern have faced in, in the last week, you know, to uh, regain their, their championship. Uh, what exactly happened during this game? They didn't convert their chances, um, Bryce. I mean, Matt, you were at this game too, right? And they, Bayern had chance after chance after chance. And... Uh, it's one of the oldest wisdoms in football that if you do not convert your chances and uh, one nil is is a very close result, the opponent only really need one chance to go back in the match. And Augsburg had exactly that. It was Felix Götze, a former Bayern youth product, and yes, he is the brother of Mario Götze, and um, made it one one and got a result. And um, this is that's, that that was the first stumbling block of the week, and I, I think. You know, that game in particular, Bayern would have probably deserved walking away with a victory. But at the same time, um, the, the one thing that I, I thought is just they lacked that last bit of conviction, um, in the penalty box. And I wrote the preview today and I, I know we're going to talk about this in a moment, um, on the Ajax game. And the one thing that if Robert Lewandowski doesn't, doesn't score goals at the moment, there isn't very many goals in this team. 
Yeah, I mean, Matt, would would you agree with the the analysis that the money just gave that you know it's there's only one source of the goals are really coming from? Yeah, it was an interesting game. I thought Bayern were just a little bit lethargic. Uh, they had chances to score with uh, Renato Sanchez and, and and Sandro Wagner, just couldn't quite get it done. Of course, you know Leon Goretzka lined up at left back mm. at, at, for this game, which is something we should probably talk about too, highlighting a little bit of a lack of depth. In, in the fullback positions. But yeah, they should have put this away. Augsburg were, were quite defensive with the, the back five and, and Moravik and, and, and Daniel Bayer sitting quite deep in, in the holding midfield positions, just looking to, to hit them on the break through, through Hahn, Kobe or Gregorich. I thought Augsburg did well to keep it tight, actually. You know, they went there with very clear intentions and, and basically fulfilled it and then capitalized late on with the, with, with the equalizer to Goethe. So well played to them, but yeah, Bayern just wasn't quite happening for them with, with a lot of changes. And interesting for me to go to the Allianz Arena for the first time. Um, pretty weird, really, after going to a lot of these other Bundesliga stadiums. Of course, we had that situation where the, the crowd was silent for the first 20 minutes, which, which added to the, 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 the strangeness of the atmosphere. But yeah, I really enjoyed my first trip there. Um, good for me, but not so good for Bayern. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose then we better talk about the uh, the second game that they played uh, in a matter of days. Uh, Chris, we've seen uh, Hertha uh, manage to beat them 2-0 on Friday night. Uh, again, this was unexpected. Even though Hertha have um, been fairly decent with the results um, against Bayern in, in recent times, I don't think many people would have called a 2-0 victory like this. No, well, thankfully you came to me. For this fixture and, and not the Augsburg one because that was probably one of the dullest matches I've seen in a long time. Um, but Friday night's game was, was unbelievable really, um, from start to finish. At the very start of it, uh, there was some complaints from the Bayern fans that they weren't playing in red, um, which I suppose is, is a fair shout really, as Hertha playing blue and they were playing in green. So, um, well, a mint green. So they weren't on the, on the best footing to begin with. And all of a sudden, they just looked, well, a shadow of of how they've been previously. And I'm going to be honest, it's, I, I think, and I think Manu is the same as well, um, it being coming, um, this sort of performance from Bayern, even when they beat Bayer Leverkusen the other week, they were very laboured about it. It was a second-gear job, sat back, probably didn't really do as much as they could have done Um Similar against Augsburg, and then on Friday night they were just really poor. They were slow. Um, the play, every player apart from Neuer was taking too many touches, which just played into Hertha's hands because they were so fast into the press, turned the ball over quickly, and attacked at will. And um, yeah, really, it could have been a few more, um, I think. But I mean, the reaction at full time said it all. Um, Hertha were ecstatic, and, and maybe they should be, because I've not seen a team work like that against Bayern for a long time. And um, I did the, the thoughts for bushballstat.com after the match, and I thought that they were such um, such a well-drilled unit. They did everything together. The midfield knew what the defence were doing and what the attack were doing. The attack knew when to drop back. The, uh, the guys on the outside knew when to tuck in and try and force Bayern wide, which they couldn't do. They couldn't really play through the middle of them either. Um, and that just played into the hands of Hertha, who had their two attacking um, fullbacks, who just caused havoc down the right and left-hand side. And, and yeah, that was a fantastic game. And I'm hoping, um, not because I'm anti-Bayern, but because I like some competition in the league, that a lot of coaches saw how Hertha took that game to Bayern and will maybe try and replicate it now. And Kovac will obviously work on that. But I think Bayern's problem have been coming and that particular night, that Friday night, everything that could have gone wrong for them went wrong for them. I think if they'd still been playing now, they wouldn't have scored. Chris, um, I watched Doppelpass. I know you did too. And we have something to chat about that show in particular. Those who don't know, it's a, it's a German <laughs> yeah, we show. We, we get to chat about that in a moment. But... Um, in the infinite wisdom, Bodo Ilkin. <laughs> in the infinite, we have our own very own protest on this show. Um, in the infinite wisdom, Stefan Effenberg and Bodo Ilkner said that Bayern have more depth in their squad than Dortmund. I, I'm I'm not sure where where they got this number from because I actually looked this up, and at the moment there's only 16 healthy field players in Bayern's yeah, squad. 
I think maybe if everybody's fit, then it's 22. I would say Bayern have the edge. Um, if all of their players are fit, I would say Bayern have the edge. But they're not. They've got loads out. I, I definitely don't agree with that. That their squad depth is, is bigger than Dortmund's at the moment. Um, and the way they're playing, um, it's going to have to be twice as deep. Yeah, it's 22 when they're all healthy. 16 when they're not. Dortmund have 29. Um, I don't know. Maybe Dortmund and that department have the edge. But yeah, we get to talk about this a bit. But it's interesting, Matt. You you mentioned Leon Goretzka playing left back. This is something that I've noticed now quite a bit. If he doesn't play in a 3-5-2 setup, it's very difficult to find a position for him. It was the same with Germany during the World Cup. Um, you know, Germany, of course, line up in a very similar way than Bayern do. They had, they, they struggled to find a position for him. And it seems almost the same than for Kovac now. Um, I didn't think it was a bad performance. Kovac spoke about it. Um, after the match, he said that Goretzka had a knock and that's why he took him out. But it's just, I just find it kind of odd that there is not really a position for him, um, in this lineup at the moment. Yeah, well, there is a lot of options in central midfield and Renato Sanchez coming back just as another one in there, I guess. But this just highlights what we talked about at the beginning of the season, you know, that they do have depth issues in the fullback positions. Mm. And we've seen it um, come to the fore already here. We saw Heinkers try out a, quite a lot of, of young players last year, particularly towards the end of the season. But there's none of the, those youngsters really hanging around at all mm. at the moment, looking like they, they can come in and do a job. So he's, he's, he's basically putting players out of position. So that's something that's that's good for the rest of the league and something we've been talking about as a potential weakness in, in Bayern's armour. And it looks like it happened here. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. You know, we, we all know that Alfonso Davies is coming in to bolster the wing ranks, but a fullback position might be something they need to look at in January. Mm. I guess, uh, I suppose, how do we feel that they're going to get on midweek, Byron, uh, you know, against Ajax, you know, Ajax, the other team with three points in that group? Uh, Chris, we'll go to, go to you uh, on this one. And then, obviously, after the Ajax game, look, got a tough tie on Saturday against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think they'll be okay against Ajax. Um, no disrespect to the Dutch side, but you would expect Bayern to uh, bounce back from the defeat in the Champions League, where they want to be doing quite well. Um, I think they'll put the Bundesliga problems that they've had in the last two games behind them, and, and this is where Kovac will want to see a response to. I mean, they haven't been playing particularly well this season, uh, I would say, but they still managed to play very well, very, very well, the way at Benfica maybe didn't even get out third year and still picked up a good result. So I'd expect something similar. Um, and then Gladbach, well, that all depends on Gladbach. If Borussia Mönchengladbach turn up and they want to play, then I think they can cause Bayern some problems. If they turn up and then they don't really know what's going on, as we've seen frequently from them in the past, then you know it might be the sort of game that Bayern uh, fancy again. But um, yeah, the Champions League game I can't see a problem with, to be honest. They haven't. This was their. They had the defeat. Was their first Oktoberfest Bundesliga defeat in eight years. That is. I, I think that's quite remarkable. Mm. You, the last time they, they lost a game during this time of the year in the Bundesliga was in 2010 and uh, Dortmund won, ended up winning the title in the end. Um, funnily enough, I, I spent that evening at the Oktoberfest as well and they just announced it um, during the game. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's just an interesting parallel. I mean, Manu, how much pressure do you think will be on Kovac you know, if he if he wasn't to pick up you know two victories in these next two games? I mean, obviously they're not going to jump uh, that early and do anything silly, you know, it'd be a bit, a bit brash, a bit too quick. But uh, pressure will be mounting on him because it's an awfully big club and a big task, and it was a big jump um, mm. from him going from uh, Frankfurt to uh, to Bayern, wasn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he has to win at Bayern. You have to win every game. Every loss is a is a crisis. Drawing a game is is a crisis. So yeah, absolutely. I mean. The expectations in Germany, Stefan Effenberg said on Doppelpass that um, he feels sorry for Ajax and Mönchengladbach because they're going to feel they're going to get the full wrath of Bayern having um, not won in two games. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case, but uh, in particular Gladbach, they're a very good side. They had a very good start to the season, and um, it's not going to be very easy. And then, of course. 
there's going to be a lot of pressure if they don't pick up uh, six points in the next two games. I think we have to give credit to Herter as well. You know, we talked about how good they were going early in the season. Yeah. They had that, that hiccup at, at Berta Bremen, but um, this was a great performance. As Chris said, they took it to Bayern. They pressured them. That that combo of, of Lazaro and Kalu on, on the right wing was, was excellent. Dilrosen had a bit of a quiet game considering how explosive explosive he's been in the in the opening few matches. Uh, but Duda again stepped up with another goal. Abisevic is, is holding Selka on the bench. So this team's got quality all the way through it and they're only going to get better. So we need to pay credit to Herta and and uh, and really expect them to, to finish in the top six, I would say. And and maybe a little bit higher if they can if they can keep it going and capitalize on some of these other teams struggling. Oh, I don't I don't know about that. They they like to implode in the second half of the season, so um, judgment is still out for me on Hertha. <laughs> so pick up the points early doors. Yeah. That's what they need to. That's what you're saying. But yeah. you know, you know, Duda on five, Ibisevic on four. You know, they're doing pretty well after six games. I think the the confidence seems to be there, especially when you see the likes of uh, Lazaro bicycle kick a clearance, mm. you know, in the, in the opening minutes. Um, so let, let's just see how long this lasts for Hertha. Um, guys, uh, this kind of opens up the uh, title race a little bit more. Yes, it's early days, but you would rather be close at this stage than anyone being you know, well clear when I say that Bayern as it normally is. But let's talk a little bit about, uh, about Borussia Dortmunds. Obviously, during the week, we've seen them win 7-0 against Nuremberg uh, with six different scores. Rather impressive scoreline, no matter who you're playing. Uh, Chris, um, is this um, you know, us witnessing Favre's football finally you know, coming across to the players? They're finally getting to know what they should be doing out there. I'm going to say yes and no for that match, and and yes and no for the um, match on um, Saturday. So I think we're seeing it slowly come to the fore. I don't think it's there yet, um, but I mean you can't not spank a team seven nil and not play particularly well, which is what they did. They played exceptionally well, um, and it was an all too easy game for them in the end. Um, but I think you can take more from the game against Bayer Leverkusen where they showed. The sort of mental strength to come back and to stick with. Uh, there's no panic in. It's what we've seen in the past that Dortmund have panicked and ultimately either gone on to concede a goal and then lose or even draw a game from a commanding position. Uh, and I'm not seeing that currently this season. Um, I think that Favre's got um, the likes of Royce playing well. Um, he's sort of taken a gamble on Brun Larson and that's looking like it's worked out. Um, Pulisic seems to be getting back to himself. Obviously, he's got an unbelievable talent in Jaden Sancho, who he can bring off the bench. Um, same with Paco Alcia uh, coming in and scoring goals. Um, and at the moment, they've got a really, really strong midfield, which is something that Dortmund have lacked for a few years. If you look now, you know, Delaney's come and fitted in quite well. Um, Axel Witzel has fitted in seamlessly. They've still got the likes of Julian Weigel, who can come off the bench and do something. Kago is still there. Um, so Dortmund have had a, a weakish sort of midfield since um, since Tuchel came in, really, and since they had the exodus of players out to the likes of Manchester City. Um, and it was Manchester United, wasn't it, Mkhitaryan went to. So I think now they're starting to replace that, that midfield area. They've got the forwards who can take something on. And now, crucially as well, they've got a couple of centre-backs who seem like they know what they're doing. Absolutely. Things are looking a lot more positive, not just after that midweek game. Uh, Matt, we're going to go to you to talk about the uh, Saturday evening game. Uh, we, we see them go 2-0 down, and in the first half, really not look very good at all. Then the second half was a completely different story, a game of two halves, as people will say, uh, as they came back with four goals. Um, you were there. Um, how can you explain the contrast in the two halves, and what what exactly happened to to make them turn it around like this? Well, Leverkusen were really well organised in, in the first half, particularly the wingers, Volland and Brandt, uh, helping out their fullbacks. Uh, and then Havertz pressing really high with Delario. It was basically like a 4-4-2, but really well organised. And, and the work rate between the team and the players was really good in the first half. And they took the lead through Mitchell Weiser in the ninth minute. 
and um, and then and Jonathan Tarr extended it to two nil, and then going into half time, it was a weird feeling because, as I say, Leverkusen deserved their lead and were well on top, but uh, I had a word to Jonathan Harding sitting over from me, and I said, "This isn't this isn't over," and and just had a feeling about it that that yeah, anything could happen in the, in the second half. But what was alarming here was that all the good stuff Leverkusen did in the first half, they 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 seemed to just go away from it, and before you knew it, it was an open game. Uh, going from end to end, and, and that's what that's what you don't want, especially if you're at home leading two nil. But this turned into a very open game. We, we have to say too that that Voland hit the bar on a pretty tough chance that would have made it three nil. So you know, a couple of inches there, and it's three nil, and maybe a different story. But full full credit to Dortmund, they came back and they took advantage, as I say, of of, of, of Brandt getting tired. He wasn't helping out uh, Wendell, who was extremely isolated, and and Favre took advantage of that. He brought on Sancho. Who went past uh, Wendell within about 60 seconds? I don't know he was upfield, but basically the, the three goals, the first three, came down that right edge, and and Dortmund took full advantage. But this was alarming for for Leverkusen, I would say, failing to to hold on to their lead and and conceding four goals in the last 25 minutes. Whichever way you want to dissect that, that's just not good. But as we said before, Dortmund so much strength on the bench here that they can they can turn a game in an instant with such young. Exciting talent, especially in the wing position. So, fantastic game of football. Really exciting stuff. Uh, good for Dortmund, but Leverkusen, yeah, an, an alarming uh, fade away in the second half. This was the fourth time that they turned Dortmund turned around a result this season already. I mean, Chris, the last couple of years, I mean, we, since we've doing the podcast, uh, two nil down in halftime, it would have been game over for Dortmund. Well, yeah, I mean, and as I said a little bit earlier, 1-0 up at half-time and it yeah. could have been game over for Dortmund because they had a real habit of, of not being able to put a game to bed, not being able to find that second goal, um, and then all of a sudden leaking one, um, and then being on the on the receiving end of, of a poor game. I think, was it Mainz last season where they did that? Yeah. Um, they were cruising at one point, um, and all of a sudden, you know, they leak a goal in like the 89th minute and, and they've dropped two points, so... That's the big difference between last season's Dortmund and, and what was seen in the opening six match days for me. And then I suppose, guys, we need to talk about the uh, midweek game coming up. Uh, Manu, we see Dortmund uh, play against uh, Monaco. Monaco lost to Atletico Madrid, which is uh, uh, no mean feat whatsoever. Um, but how do you see that game going uh, this midweek? Yeah, so I'm actually... At that game, um, really looking forward to to it, the the experience and all that. But um, there is of course a big shadow over this game as well because Monaco. We all remember the events. I guess it's um, a bit over a year ago, two seasons ago, that um, the terror attack on the bus, right, during Dortmund's before Dortmund's um, quarterfinal match against Monaco um, and um, the, it, was, it was an event that I think when you look at last season wasn't really we didn't really weigh enough how much how much that sat on that club right uh, the, the the case that was of course ongoing against the the terrorist um, who was betting against uh, falling uh, chair prices at uh, Dortmund because of course they're a chair company um, r really insane stuff, and they were carrying that through all of last year. Mark Bartra, of course, left the club at Christmas because he was hurt and during that attack. He broke an arm, and um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to deal with this game. Um, Sebastian Kiel said um, um, on the weekend that they they just want to move on from it and just make play it like any other normal game. But it's it's going to be an interesting. Interesting to see if that's maybe going to give them final closure on everything like that happened um, during during those events. Yeah, I mean, Chris, I, I'm sure you agree as well that it's hard sometimes to to put uh, an awful experience like that behind you when you have to uh, re almost revisit things, um, you know, by by going and playing this game um, again a few years on. Yeah, I mean, well, the club's changed a little bit, hasn't it, since then? A few people have come in, a few people have left. Um, so it will be, I'm sure there will be some memories raised. I mean, thankfully, no one uh, no one died. I mean, that is that is the key one, isn't it, for this? Um, or, or this sort of this sort of game would have been horrendous for everybody, for both clubs involved. Um, but it came very, very close to it. 
perpetrator has found, uh, you know, and both clubs have seemed to move on. I think the best thing is, is the players that were um, badly affected now look to have, have, have made some sort of peace of themselves and got past it. I'm not going to say they're totally over it because I don't think you ever would um, get over something as, as bad as that, especially for those who were on the bus and for those who were missed by um, nails, etc., by the by the barest of minimums. Um, it's going to be a difficult one, but we saw how Dortmund dealt with it um, in Dortmund when it happened. The way the um, crowd and the, and everybody in the city opened its um, doors to those who were visiting from France. I think we can talk all week should the game gone ahead and, and what effect did that have, not just on Dortmund, but also on Thomas Tuchel, etc. So um, I think it'll be nice for this one to, to look back um and, and see how close things came and maybe everybody just take a step back that it's a football game but it is a football game and, and that's what maybe we should we should concentrate on not the actions of one rather um, warped individual no, Absolutely and, and do you see uh, Dortmund coming out on top of this Chris? Uh, yeah I do the way they've been playing recently um, yes I do I think for those of the in the team that are still there and were there last season, and that even goes into the the structure of the management and those who run the club, they will want to show that they weren't maybe in the best of minds to play that game um, the other season. So they'll want to come out and show Monaco exactly who Borussia Dortmund are. And I think we only saw that very briefly in those two games last time. And um, no, I don't think Dortmund will be out for revenge. That'll be the wrong word, but I think they will be out to right some wrongs for that maybe they thought they had put on them. Yeah, absolutely. And and then just one final note, uh, Chris, uh, on Dortmund. We, we see after this game them uh, playing uh, Osberg and Stuttgart. Uh, I would imagine that you, you'll agree that those are two games that uh, are the perfect opportunity to, to pile more pressure on uh, Champions Bayern, you know, to really give them a, a good uh, title race this year. Well, yeah, I, I would have said that prior to this week. Um, Augsburg obviously had a fantastic result on um, Sunday, um, came off a fantastic result again um, against Bayern, so they're going to be uh, ready to welcome Dortmund. Um, and then Stuttgart, you don't know what you're going to get with Stuttgart. Some days they can play horrendous, some days they can play particularly well. Um, it will be a big chance for them to just try and get into the, the routine of winning games week in, week out. I think that's what Dortmund need to look at. Um, just take, and it's a real old cliche, and take each game as it comes and see where they are at the end of the season. But let's not forget, we're only on match day six. I certainly won't be looking at the table until match day 10. Um, I'm going to be in Dortmund for match day nine. So even then, I won't be looking at the table, Bryce. Oh, yeah. Let's hold out till then. Then we'll, uh, we'll start uh, daring to dream, will we say. But... Um, uh, guys, uh, let's move on then. Let, let's talk about uh, Hoffenheim versus uh, RB Leipzig. There, there's plenty to talk about within that game with uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Um, he's seen his current side, um, Hoffenheim, uh, lose uh, 2-1 at the weekend to the side that he will be taking over next season. Uh, the woodwork got plenty of uh, action in, in this game, but um, Manu, how do you think Nagelsmann will have taken this result? And I can only imagine... The uh, Leipzig fans uh, still have uh, plenty to get excited about about him coming in next season. Well, there was a bit of confusion about. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Nagelsmann and Rangnick and... Um he, how, how, what it is like, they asked him what it will be like to play against his boss and he said at the press conference, well, my, my boss is Oliver Minzlaff and uh, Rangnick very quickly corrected him and said, well, ah, now the sporting director is on top of the uh, head coach. So a little bit of shots fired, I guess, and maybe just in the spirit of this game, but uh, it was interesting. Uh, Rangnick, of course, came out on top in, in the game. He guess showed 
um, his future understudy, who, who the boss is at the moment. Um, I, I think this, I mean, this was a fascinating game in, in so many aspects because of, um, Rangnick and Nagelsmann have, have similar football philosophies and, um, you know, it's, it is, it was the future, future coach. Uh, playing his uh, future club for the first time. And then, of course, they have one more fixture after this. Um, what I thought was really interesting about the, the Leipzig result is that they really seem to have taken something positive away from the game against uh, Salzburg, uh, that uh, horrendous result that's 3-2. Um, and really, Harangli really seems to have figured a few things out um, in the setup of his side. They seem a lot better composed. He's He's gotten uh, players that... Uh, somewhat misbehaved, I guess, uh, the, the likes of Augustan and uh, Ubermecano and Konate, um, a little bit of trouble um, with them. Uh, Augustan, of course, with his cell phone on the bench that didn't go over very well. Um, he played in, uh, with three in the back in this one, and um, yeah, it was, it was all around a really, really interesting tactical match. It looks like basically Rangnick just, just mirrored Nagelsmann's formation here. Mm. And looks like Obi Wan Kenobi got one over Luke Skywalker or something like that, and uh, the, the Force will be with uh, with with, with Nagelsmann soon enough. But yeah, this is an interesting one on that front. But it looks like I didn't see the game. But it looks like it, you know, it was a pretty tight game, and yeah. Woodwork played a bit of a part here, so could have gone could have gone either way. But yeah, good good result for Leipzig and bouncing back a little bit, as you said, Manu, after that Salzburg defeat. Yeah, I think that's it's exactly what they needed, and you know because there was there was of course already talk, and um, you know now they're now they're up in sixth place. I know Chris, it's too early to look at the table, but uh, I think the the result against Hoffenheim is is a big statement, and uh, it's also important for Rangnick because there was so much going on at Leipzig that they just they just they can quiet things down because they have a tricky Europa League mix fixture too. They, Traveling to uh, Norway to play Rosenborg Trondheim, and that's that's not an easy one to play. We need to take into account too here that Kevin Vogt was out for Hoffenheim, so the back three of Justin Hugma, Stefan Posch, and then uh, Kevin Akpoguma. That's you know their defense against Leipzig were missing a lot of their experienced defenders, and I've just had a look here on Twitter. And Nagelsmann has said that Vogt is is definitely out of the Manchester City game, so mm. it's not looking good for Hoffenheim against Manchester City, I wouldn't say. And I would, you know, I, I think that Kevin Vogt being out for that particular match is bad news for Hoffenheim, and and Man City will be deserved favourites uh, for that clash. Yeah, you were at that game, Matt, right? Uh, I think that when when I did the match uh, preview uh, there was still hope that folk could play I have to have to well I meant that that's that's a big blow that makes that makes all the difference um Chris we've talked you talked about the importance of folk in that that particular lineup quite a bit he is such a big difference maker for them yeah he is you know, he's a leader um I think he organizes well at the back he's a big presence and I think we saw with him not on the pitch you know, what that what that led to on the weekend. I mean, although Hoffenheim lost the game, I'm just waiting for this side to really click in. They just seem to be missing um, just the final element to be able to put games away. And I think had this game been played in four or five weeks, I think we may have seen uh, a different result because I'm not too sure that things are going particularly well at Leipzig and maybe Hoffenheim were just unlucky not to at least come away with a with a draw on that day especially um, I think it's more fun to read about what Nagelsmann said that hmm. Mintz last his boss and not Ragnick I think that was quite funny um, just let that one bubble on for the rest of the season <laughs> yeah um, well I'm still trying to get over who uh, Matt possibly thinks who Darth Vader and uh, Yoga is in this uh, Bundesliga <laughs> Star Wars world, but I, I think that, that that's a topic for another day, maybe. Or, or we'll let him just uh, think on that one uh, a bit more. Um, Manu, how, how do you see uh, Leipzig getting on uh, midweek? Then do, do you think um, do you think then they'll be able to uh, balance you know, the midweek games with the uh, Sunday fixtures? Um, you know, a real problem that they they had last mm. season. You know, it, it all seemed a bit much for them to. Do you see that changing at all this year? 
Well, usually when you go to Norway as a German Bundesliga side, you have to win that game. But I mean, it's a long trip um, up north. And um, Leipzig has been a side that has struggled with that balance. So I think it's it's going to be quite a difficult fixture for them. But, I mean, they have to win it. I mean, that's the bottom line. They have to win that game. Yes, indeed. And um, no doubt uh, Matt will be uh, enjoying the uh, Hoffenheim City game as well. I think many of us uh, Bundesliga um, fanatics will be uh, tuning into that one in the hopes that Julian Nagelsmann might be able to uh, surprise the world and get a win against uh, City there. Um, let's talk about Schalke, guys. They, they finally managed to get some points on the board with a 1-0 win against Mainz. Um, obviously, things went very well for Tedesco last season, but not quite the case this year. That's six games, yes, and five defeats that finally got a win. Uh, Manu, you kind of said that the wheels had um, come off uh, the bus, the Schalke bus here. Uh, uh, they managed to put one back on by the seams of things. They beat Mainz. Um, this is a big victory. And I, I mean, do, do you think that they're going to be able to steer things in the right direction now? Uh, it was really interesting because um, I had to backwatch this game because I was in Nuremberg. And um, Nuremberg and Schalke have um, close ties. They, they have a fan friendship going on there. And um, a lot of people in Nuremberg in the press box were actually watching the game, parallel game in Schalke, hoping that uh, their friends in Gelsenkirchen would pick up three points. And um, they did, um, which was, was very important because a lot of the talk was about uh, Heidel and uh, Tedesco. They have done a lot of work, positive work off the field at Schalke, but it's, it's very quick. If you don't get the results in Gelsenkirchen, you get the job very, very quick. And I think that... Um, there's a saying in German, Mund abwischen und weitermachen, you know, like, uh, just like, it was, it was three points. That's, that's really the bottom line here against a very good mind side. I mean, um, Matt, you raved about minds last week and they, they, they cited an interesting project. And I think getting the three points there was not guaranteed at all for Schalke. Yeah. Well, that loss at Freiburg was, was really wasn't what, um, Tedesco wanted at yeah. all here, but. Interesting tactically that uh, Tedesco has benched Naldo and, and gone for a back four in, in these last two games and, and started also with uh, Amina Harit and, and Conor Pianka, who have both started. So interesting little tactical switch from, from Tedesco. We'll have to see how that plays out in, in the next few weeks. With the situation with Naldo, maybe he's just resting him now for some important games or you know, going to bring back the the five at the back. We'll just have to see what happens. But it looks like he, he's got a little bit of momentum here. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a one nil home win against against Mines. This is far from far from a turning point, I would say. And still, some pretty tricky fixtures coming ahead, uh, up for for Schalke. They have four four away fixtures out of their next five. You know, including this trip to Russia and 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 Turkey. So that's not easy. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with Schalke, but a small, very, very small step in the right direction, I would say. Chris, you you actually said something positive, of course, about uh, Kuno Blanca. Um, you chatted a little bit um, on the side there during the match. Yeah, yeah, I thought he, um, I thought he had a good game, really. Uh, I mean, we all know what he's capable of um, on when he's on his you know, very top of his game, and I thought he was quite close to that over the weekend. Uh, I thought he, he he played well. He played with a spring in his step. Um, was unlucky not to score, rattle a crossbar with a tremendous shot. Um, you know, and I think he did it twice actually, didn't he? And he hit the, uh, the post as well. So it was, um, it was a good performance by him. But, but yeah, I mean, go back to your bus analogy there, Bryce. They may have put one wheel back on, but I don't know if the wheel nuts have done up on it because, you know, um, Farmer made a couple of good saves. Um, I think Mainz probably could have had a couple more, but then in truth, Maybe Schalke could have done. I think this, if it would have been 4-2, this might have been a, a true reflection of the game. But, um, you know, Schalke, they still looked a little bit ropey to me, in, in, not in the final moments, but maybe the last five, five, ten minutes when, um, you know, they, they sat back really and they looked a little bit nervous. So I think the full time, um, full time images, um, for Tedesco, it was ecstatic. But then you saw, um, a little bit more of a reflection on his face where, you know he's happy he's got those three points, but, but what's next? Where does the where does the next three points come from? And the next three points after that, because whilst I'm an advocate of not looking at the table, 
um, until 10 matches gone. When there's a two-point gap after six matches, that becomes a problem. Uh, I think we saw that last season for Kern before they went down. Well, Manu, there's no better man to speak to um, about uh, Russian sides. Um, and uh, how do you see uh, Schalke getting on against Lokomotiv Moscow um, during the week? They, they drew their last game against um, Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, do you see this being a little bit of an easier tie for them? No, no, or Schalke drew Porto, uh, Bryce. But that's okay. Oh, my my bad. <laughs> I've been away. I've been a little bit distracted. You've been gone. It's okay. You got married. It's all fine. They do Porto. Um, no. Um, I I think this locomotive side, they're the Russian champions. Um, they Yuri Semin is the head coach there. He's a seventeen year old, seventy two year old head coach, and um, did very good work with a, a side that no one expected to win the title in Russia last year, and. Uh, he did this while being at war with his own management. And uh, the only reason he survived all of last season is basically because he won the title. You cannot fire the guy that brought you the first title in 14 plus years, right? That's impossible. Um, the problem, of course, is that they took a lot of their internal problems with them into the next season, this season. And um, they, they recruited very well at Lokomotiv Moscow. They brought in Krichowiak. They brought in Benedikt Hövedes. Um, and they had Farfan already, of course, last year. Uh, and uh, all of this is orchestrated by a German, Stoffelshaus, um, who used to be the youth director at Schalke, uh, funnily enough. So there's a lot of connections between Schalke and uh, Lokomotiv Moscow. But they had a, not a great start to, to the to the Russian Premier League. Um, they they won the game um, on the weekends against Ahmad Krosny, but uh, not... 12 points out of nine games it's not exactly great right and um, they don't look like they're going to have any chance in uh, defending their title this year they're already 10 points behind Sinit St. Petersburg and they play such defensive football and I, I, I it's almost actually a, a an interesting parallel um, Bryce to what Schalke did last year it was always three or five there's three and three center backs but five behind the ball and um, it wasn't it wasn't that they played beautiful football. It's just that they got results. A lot of the results were 1-0 wins that usually would go the other way. And that's how they won the title in Russia. So it's actually very, it's an interesting parallel between Schalke and uh, Lokomotiv in that regard as well. And I think that, I think that Schalke will go into this match as a clear favorite, even though, yes, it's a long way to Moscow. Um, Lokomotiv are not one of the most supported clubs in, in the capital either. They're one of the, they're actually the smallest or the weakest link, as they call them in Russian. And I, I don't, I can't see, uh, uh, Schalke having very many problems with them in their current form. Could we possibly push it for a prediction? Uh, there will be a footballgrad.com preview out. You can find the prediction there. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it will be a low score, something like 2-1 or 1-0. Um, both teams play that way. It's just I just can't see uh, one team blowing out the other. Yeah, well, uh, Chris, if we just go to you, just one, one last comment uh, on uh, Schalke. Uh, they're coming up against uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf um, next week. Um, that you're a team that they will leapfrog if they beat them. So be 15th against 16th. Um, Dusseldorf, you would imagine, you know, them coming off um, a 3-0 loss to Nuremberg would be the ideal opponent for them to come up against. But um, will it be tougher because you know, Dusseldorf haven't had that midweek game? You know, c- could this be another stumbling block? Could we see that wheel come off the Schalke bus? Oh, um, it's so hard to even predict what Schalke are going to do at the moment. Um, if they have a if they have a disappointing result in midweek, you know, that just fuels um, problems um, within players and within staff and within the environment around the whole club. So, I mean, all you can say is that it's two sides who aren't particularly playing the best football. On paper, Schalke should steamroller past them. Obviously, just sort of promoted um, last season, first time back in the Bundesliga for a long time. So, you would expect Schalke to, to get past them. But you just can't take anything for granted at the moment. Um, you know, Dusseldorf were heavily beaten on the weekend uh, by Nuremberg. Manu was there, mm. and and they were quite comprehensively beaten by them in the end. So, I think if you shall uh, if you Schalke, if you're looking for a team to play after a difficult Champions League encounter against, against uh, an opponent who maybe you don't know much about, then Dusseldorf will probably be the one for you. I'm sure they're pleased in that they're playing Dusseldorf rather. Than going into a game against, let's say, you know, one of the top, more rated teams like Bayern or Hertha currently, or Gladbach or Leipzig, um, 
or Hoffenheim even, or maybe even Frankfurt. So I suppose they'll be quietly keen. But if they write off Bryce, they you know, could get turned over. Um, but I don't think Schalke have got that attitude at the moment where they're going to write any sides off. Um, they just want to keep winning. <laughs> now they've got three points. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel at this point we need to talk about another side that um, are, are struggling and another one that's coming to terms with uh, a new coach um, talking about Eintracht Frankfurt and their victory over Hanover uh, 4-1 on Sunday. Uh, Manu, uh, Ravic, he looked fantastic, didn't he? Um, and unfortunately, Hanover looked very, very poor. Oh, to be quite frank with you, Bryce, both sides look very poor. Um, I wrote this in my match report. Um, 30 minutes in, both teams had only completed 60%, um, 60% of their passes. You know, 30 minutes in, and it was basically, uh, saying to, to my neighbor, um, you know, we were, we were witnessing two teams that can't even play a ball over five meters. Um, it was, it was that poor at times. And, um, Frankfurt, and I said this in the video that I posted from, from the, um, post-match as well, the post-match video that I do. It really came down to that the team with the better individual players won. Um, Rebic carried this team. He was phenomenal. His body language was great. Um, every ball that he had, every ball that he won, he, he just would nail down. He would hold onto it and he would create with it. Sebastian Haller was fantastic as well. You can just give him the ball and you know something good is going to happen. Hasebe, I really noticed Hasebe as well. He's, he, when he dropped back, you know, they, they would go from four in the back to three in the back. He would be like a free man, almost like a libero. And I, I thought that looked very good. And I think for me, it was really just both sides had the same tactical problems almost, Hannover and Frankfurt did. But Hannover don't have the individual players. And Frankfurt do. Frankfurt, when you look at it up and down the side, uh, Gazinovic came in in the second half. Uh, Luka Jogovic came in in the second half. Those are really good individual players. They have a lot of talent in the side. And that made the difference. It was basically talent that they decided this match, which is of course means that Adi Hütter still has a lot of work to do because structurally, tactically, you can't, you can't expect to win many games when you only average uh, between 60 and 70% uh, pass completion rate. That's, that's just not going to happen in this league. You know, most other teams, if you're not playing Hannover, they will turn you over. And uh, I think that's um, something that Frankfurt will have to work on. But when you look at them individually, player by player, this is, this is a good side, and you, you see it there. And then, of course, Frankfurt, um, the atmosphere in that stadium is absolutely fantastic. Um, they get carried. They have a 12th man. Um, you really have to say it that way. Yeah, I mean, if we, you, uh, Matt, um, I just want to speak a little bit. I mean, you commented uh, in our chat, didn't you, about how Hanover just aren't very good. Uh, you, they're, they're not very good defensively, and they're quite lacking up top as well. I mean, it's going to be a long old season for them, isn't it? Yeah, I, I said that. I said a few weeks ago that I didn't think they were going to be in any relegation problems after that match against Dortmund, but it looks like I got that one quite wrong. And they're really struggling. There's no two ways about it. If their their team lineup yesterday on paper just looked just looked horrible from an offensive point of view. Really, only Bebu and and Fulkrug, really the only players in that lineup that looked like they could could make anything happen. And yeah, Andre Breitenreiter is, is under huge pressure here. So it's not looking good for Hanover at all, I have to say. But uh, Frankfurt, I, I agree with what Manu said about their passing and, and giving away the ball, but I still think they're on uh, on the right track here. I, I like what, what Hutter has done here with the lineup. It's a slight adjustment to the, the, the formation he played against Leipzig bringing in Allen here for an extra midfielder and, and having having Rabich up front next to Haller is is beautiful to watch and uh, certainly going to be a huge problem for opposition defences. But let's not forget Hutter's still early days into a, a big project here with a lot of players and a lot of games. So I think I think it's coming along nicely. I like um, I like Lucas Toro in the, in the defensive midfield. He's strong enough to sort of hold that by himself and, and allow, the, allow the other guys around him to push up. And um, I quite like what Frankfurt are doing. But yeah, Hanover, it's looking bad. 
Can you imagine someone wanted to offer 50 million euros for Niklas Volkrug? Uh, I, 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 I don't know. But yeah, I think you're right, Matt. When it comes to Frankfurt, when, when that side gets clicking, once Hütter has, has them all sorted out and they, they buy into the playing style, they're going to be a very good side. And Chris, how do we see, uh, Eintracht, Eintracht getting on against, uh, Lazio uh, midweek? That'll be a, an interesting tie, I would imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, it's always a difficult place to go, isn't it? And, um, yeah, they've, um, they've got a good way about them. I don't see that much Italian football, but whenever I've seen them, they always look quite decent and it's going to be a big ask for Frankfurt. I think if I'm them, do I want to maybe forgo this competition and, and concentrate on cementing Bundesliga, uh, survival early on because you don't want to fall behind, you know, this rhythm of, Sunday, um, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday does start to grate after a while. And I mean, where are they now? If you look at, they're not, not in, they're not in the best of areas. Um, and by the time the, uh, by the break comes along, you know, do they really want to be playing in the, in the Europa League later on in the competition? We all saw what it did to Cologne last season. Um, I think maybe. And unfortunately for Frankfurt, their, their foray into Europe's come at completely the wrong time for them with a new manager coming in, Kovac going out, um, losing a couple of decent players, not having the, you know, the World Cup stars available to them straight away. I think it's become a little bit of a problem for them. But I mean, maybe we see how they operate in the next few weeks and, um, you know, climb into 12th if they, if they can get themselves maybe up to 9th or 8th in the next couple of weeks. You would think, okay, that's not too bad. But if it falls the other way, when they're knocking on the door of Stuttgart, Schalke, and Hanover, then then yeah, it's going to be a difficult one for them, especially after the highs of last season. You know, back to back Pokals, winning the trophy, to to fall off the pace this season and be involved in a relegation scrap um, would not be ideal for them. Well, Chris, just sticking with you, just uh, before we talk about our final uh, topic of the day, um, a team that did move up to eighth with a victory, a 4-1 victory, was Augsburg against uh, Freiburg. Um, uh, how impressive were Augsburg in this? And, um, you know, it, it sends them further up the table away from any possible relegation battle. Well, once again, I think it's too early to say. I've seen any games played over um, more than six matches. But they started well, uh, which they haven't tended to do in the past. And yeah, yesterday's game was um, was excellent, really. If you look at um, Fink Bonnison, who just lamped himself with a hat trick straight into the top scorer's chart, thinking he's only a couple behind um, Duda, etc. So, so yeah, but it's the way they really, uh, you know, an unfortunate Schmidt to get clapped with his own goal, but. I think that midfield where they've got Kadir in there is playing quite well. You know, Kalubi scored a goal, um, and Finn Bonnigson at the at the top of that um, of that almost triangular attack that they've got with three across the middle and him as a spearhead. I thought they did exceptionally well, uh, and obviously they've come off a tremendous result away from home. It's can they carry it on? But certainly from yesterday's football, um, if they can carry on doing that, then. They're going to be in good stead. I, I think they're probably way off that level we saw a couple of seasons ago that enabled them to get um, into the Europa League. I still don't quite think they're at that level yet, but um, you never know, Bryce, for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion, I think they've got too much quality to be dragged into that um, battle down at the bottom, but time will tell. Um, guys, we've got one final topic uh, we need to touch on. Um Manu, we're, we're going to go back to you on this. Um, th- there's a certain uh, television program uh, in Germany called a Duple Pass. Um, it, it, if, if I'm right in saying that this is a, a topical football program, mm-hmm. uh, I'd this was on in, in the last few days. Um, it's something unexpected happened during it. Um, if you'd just like to explain to everyone, uh, and probably correct me if, if I'm wrong in any of what I've just said. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite shows, um, Double Pass, because, um, they always have uh, former players and, um, it's like a circle of journalists that they bring in and they discuss the Saturday and Friday fixtures and, um, they do analysis and all sorts of things. But this time, and, uh, Chris, we watched this together. It's, it was, it was quite good. You've already alluded to it early on and, 
Um, there was a, uh, was a bang and then all of a sudden there was these dollar bills raining down on them, fake dollar bills, um, on Stefan Effenberg, Thomas Helmer, Bodo Ilkner was there, um, couple reporters from Bill, Kicker, etc. And, uh, they, I mean, they were quite dumbfounded when it happened. And then the next thing you hear is, uh, Fußball Mafia DFB, Fußball Mafia DFB. Um, yeah, they had a protest, a guerrilla protest during the show, and uh, there was a man in a suit walking past uh, the camera. Um, he, he wore a mouse mask, so you couldn't see his face, and he held a big banner up, Football Mafia DFB. And I, of course, this is all connected to the protest that we had midweeks, where there was 20 minutes of silence for the beginning of every game by the ultras, because they they're protesting the over-commercialization of the games, the Monday fixture. Uh, more and more games at different times and then of course the fact that there's no more Champions League in free television in Germany because the Sky and the Zone have taken pack packages and those are things that are not good I mean in, in German football in German fan culture is very much uh, I know in England and in the United States and um, a lot of other countries it's quite common to pay for football games It's we don't have the tradition here for it and um Fans are really fighting against it, and I guess this was a perfect example of it. More on that on your live television, would you? <laughs> no. Not really, no. Um, yeah, it, interesting. I mean, Manu, do, does this kind of thing happen... Often, you no. know, on likes of the football shows. First, like, first time I've ever seen it. It's very rare. I mean, Chris, if we uh, quickly just have a few more comments on it. I mean, likes of uh, in the UK, you know, we, we wouldn't really see that kind of thing happen, would we, on television? Um, no, but I think if if the Premier League was just about to explode now, like it did in the early 90s, uh, in today's current environment, I think we would. Um, don't forget Sky came in and pretty much you wouldn't think of it now, but they rescued the English game. You know, it was it was played in um, in stadia that weren't particularly good. They were falling apart. The football wasn't exactly fantastic. Um, they came in, put a lot of money in, and you know turned the game around. But in the long haul, what what has that done? Well, it's pushed certain elements of the local community out. You know, football's inherently a working class game, especially in England and in Germany. So, you know, you've got people who go out all week to work and then they want to go and watch the football. Well, that's happened to be priced out um, in England. And I think the German fan groups have uh, got one eye on England and seen what's happened. You've got commercialization, you've got influx of um, foreign fans week in, week out. Great for making the team money. German football is sold all over the world because it's German football. The atmospheres that you know that um, we've all seen, we've all been to German games, um, we've all seen the atmosphere, and we go quite regularly. And 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 that's part of the pull of German football. Well, if you start diluting that with you know paying for this, paying for that, companies owning this, dilution of fifty plus one, opening up the game to foreign investors, they will advertise that atmosphere, um, but it will be diluted, and you'll no longer see it. And uh, fear in Germany that the game will go the way the Premier League's gone. All-seater stadiums, you, know, you can't drink, um, lack lack of, of a traditional game. And I think it's hard sometimes, especially for um, people abroad. I had a chat with a you know, couple of North Americans because they're used to commercialisation of sports franchises, teams, moving cities, etc. These are football clubs that are steeped in hundreds of years of tradition. Some of them can even intrinsically link back. You've got you know, the workforce at Leverkusen, you've got the miners at Schalke, you've got all the industrial areas in the raw region at the likes of Dortmund. So there's a real connection um, to the clubs and you know, it would be unfortunate if it were to turn into a modern version of the Premier League where, you know, fans are treated as, as, well, it's a cash cow really, isn't it? And that's why you've got thousands of people getting on planes each weekend and flying to Germany from the UK, from Scotland, you know, from all parts of the United Kingdom because they want to experience that football that the fans are working hard not to have diluted. So I can, I'm fully on board with them. Um, the other side of that is, is that where does the game go because it needs the money to invest? It's a, it's a delicate one, but at the end of the day, football without fans is nothing. And I think that's what they're, um, 
what their cause is. Yeah, and well said, Chris. I think it's a very good point, and uh, many of the points that you made are the reasons why we love uh, German football. Like, but guys, that more or less does it today. I think we've covered an awful lot. Um, I've got to go to um, Matt uh, first. Um, I know that you're going to Hoffenheim versus Man City. Uh, what else have you got coming up uh, at the weekend then, or what would you like to draw people's attention to? I uh, just applied for Fortuna Dusseldorf against Schalke on Saturday, so hopefully that's all good, and that'll be my first trip to uh, to Dusseldorf. Uh, but that'll be it for me on the weekend, taking a little bit of a break after my um, my mission a week and a bit ago. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to Hoffenheim Man City tomorrow. That should be excellent. Nicely done. And you can find any of uh, Matt's reports uh, coming up on the Football Grad Live uh, Twitter account. Uh, Manu, you've always got plenty going on. Uh, go on and let us know what, what exactly you would like us to tune into. Yeah, so I am, well, by the time this podcast is out, I, w- I went to the 1860 game, the Monday game, Liga 3 game. Um, tomorrow I'm at Bayern against Ajax. On Wednesday I am at Dortmund against Monaco and then uh Saturday, I'm back at uh, the Allianz Arena for Bayern against Gladbach, and um, yeah, there will be plenty of material related to all of these games coming out. And the football grad, uh, we have got all the Champions League previews, and most of them are already out, and they will be all out by the time the podcast is out. Very exciting indeed. And Chris Williams, well, what, what would you like to uh, draw people's attention to? Well, I'm just going to be covering um, the games remotely at the moment. Next big one for me is the Champions League next day. Um, I'll be at Anfield covering Liverpool against Red Star Belgrade football grad. Um, and then the weekend, I'm in Dortmund for Dortmund Hertha. So that is my next live appointments. But I'll be covering the games remotely, Friday night especially, um, and the ones on Saturday. Sunday, unfortunately, Bryce, I'll have all my attention focused on Liverpool against Manchester City. Oh, exciting times, eh? I might be doing the same, but I'll be away from the podcast for, uh, I don't imagine, probably two weeks. I'm off on my honeymoon. And uh, then when I come back, well, I think we're edging closer and closer to our 100th episode. Uh, maybe we'll have to do something special for that, eh? But um, thank you all for tuning in, as always. We really appreciate it. If if you can leave us some positive comments comments you under where you you receive your um podcast uh, that'd be greatly appreciated or if you just like to get in touch you can find any of us on twitter uh, my twitter handle is at bryce dunn 11 and yes i'll be joining you back in a few weeks but enjoy all the football across the football grad network in the coming weeks of feeders in Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.